You are listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast with Buck Joffrey. Get ready to change your life. Welcome, everybody. This is Buck Joffrey with the Wealth Formula Podcast. Now, this is episode 199.5. Okay, obviously, it was supposed to be 200, but I did not have time to complete that show. I wanted to put some serious time into it because, well, it's episode 200 and a lot of questions and comments and stuff. And I need to sort through that. Part of the week was spent for me uh, out at a family office investing event in in San Francisco, uh, California. And that's where I was until last night. I was out there with uh, Tim McCleary and was invited by Richard Wilson of the Family Office Club. And uh, well, I'll tell you this much. I think that a lot of you are probably more sophisticated than your average family office um, representative because, man, when it comes to real estate and tax type stuff, uh, I was pretty surprised at how little people actually knew. Um, But, you know, they have a lot of money. um, And sometimes, um, you know, just we assume people who have a lot of money in family offices, they know exactly what they're doing. And, well, they don't. And that's why they... Uh, you know, that's why they get these kinds of uh, groups together. And I think Richard's doing a good job with that. Now, this week, uh, boy, I, I kind of feel like it's good that we had to do this one early anyway, because there is some level of, uh, of, of of urgency to this one. And, you know, let's put it this way. So, you know, one of the great things about Wealth Formula Network, which is our, you know, inside network, Right, it's our um, our private group, our private internet community. Which, if you're interested, you can join. You go to wealthformularoadmap.com. It's a course, and followed by a community. It includes, you know, we do these biweekly Zoom calls and all that. Anyway, having that community is great because you get to share, you know, what's working, what has worked, what's not working, and possibly the most important aspect: who to stay away from. For example, through our collective knowledge, I mean, it's almost like a syndication of knowledge, right? Our group learned pretty quickly last year uh, before most people knew that there was, you know, a high profile turnkey home provider that was definitely, you know, sort of in the podcaster ecosystem that appeared to have, uh, you know, people going into what appeared to be some sort of Ponzi scheme. Uh, now, whether that that was purposeful or by incompetence because of the people he got into business is unclear. But what is clear is a lot of people lost money. And despite that, the uh, operation, the business was continuing. People were continuing to buy houses um, from from this individual. Uh, so we, you know, as a group, we knew right away we got to stay away from this. And so, you know, one of the great advantages of Wealth Formula Network is that. And sometimes uh, we figure this kind of stuff uh, out together, and sometimes it's the hard way. You know, for example, back in January of 2017, I got an email from one of our listeners and investors telling me about something called the Income Store. So the income store was owned and marketed by a podcaster named Bill Courtright, who claimed that um, people could buy websites from him that he would manage for, you know, six-figure investments. And he promised 
you know, pretty high returns and really in perpetuity, right? It was like one of these things where it was like really high returns and it was forever. Now, knowing a little bit about internet marketing, the concept did pique my interest because, well, I'd done pretty well in a few uh, online projects myself. I mean, I don't think that I ever saw one that was, you know, going to last forever. I don't think you could because of the way Google is. But, you know, I, I, uh, I took this information from this investor and I thought, you know what, I'm going to look into this. Who knows? Maybe there's something there. And I know, you know, some people in the internet space, um, who are a lot smarter than me, you know, and like my internet guy, Rick, he's, he's brilliant. And, uh, he's, you know, he's, he's my SEO guy, but he's just, you know, he knows his stuff. Right. So that's what I did. I did to get, to do some research. I asked him to look into it for me, you know, the income store. And again, this is back in January of 2017. So he went to the company website and he did some research with, you know, really with some basic internet tools. And here's what he wrote back uh, to me in January of 2017. I've taken out some of the extraneous stuff, but quote, I, I took a look at the sites on their quote, brag sheet, unquote, the sites do not get any real search traffic results. Less than 50 visits maximum per month each. None are big, powerful sites. They are not found on Google. They can't be profitable. I am not sure how they are making this cash flow. Something is not right, unquote. So that was his analysis. Bottom line is that it was clear uh, for, you know, somebody who with a trained eye to look back into 2017 and think there was a possibility that something fishy was going on. Unfortunately, our listener who had contacted me was already invested, uh, in this for about $290,000. Um, I, I told him what we found, uh, that I, I personally was, um, you know, not comfortable given what we had found to proceed with anything or certainly to have this guy in our podcast, which was um, something that he had, he had suggested. Uh, but it was too late. And almost three years later uh, to the day from the exchange I had with um, this listener, I saw a headline, uh, the Chicago Tribune, quote, SEC freezes assets of suburban owner of the income store, allegedly a $75 million Ponzi-like website investment scheme, unquote. So I'm sure I, I don't need to say more than that to describe what happened. I'm not, you know, saying anybody's guilty before they are, but that's the quote, not me. Um, but what is clear is that this guy used his influence in the podcasting space to create, you know, influence. Right. He, he used podcasting to create influence. And we see that a lot these days. He then used that influence to get people to invest in his product. Right now, I have to tell you that I see this kind of stuff all the time. And I'm not saying that I see Ponzi schemes all the time. But what I do see is stuff that sounds suspicious, stuff that doesn't smell right and often turns out just as I thought it would. It's funny because in, in our Wealth Formula Network conversations, we talk about this. It's sometimes it's like, you don't really see this until you've been around the block a few times and understand the investing process 
and you start to hear something, you're like, something doesn't sound right there. You know, it's almost like sort of this sixth sense of investing that comes after a while. And, and that's basically how this all started, you know? And so as a podcaster myself, I have to warn you that, you know, just because someone is behind a microphone or is a guest on someone's show, it does not automatically make them a person you can trust. I mean, honestly, I've told you that on this podcast before um, that, you know, I, I try to make it clear when I have somebody on who is, you know, raising money for something or, or maybe they're um, maybe they're selling a product that, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know if this is real or not. Don't hold me accountable if it's not. It's for information only. Um, in the case of what was happening with the income store, you know, I got to tell you, um, the appearance of influence can make people blind, right? Because Ronald Reagan once said, trust, but verify. And what Bill Courtright was um, in doing out there, and he was on the podcast circuit, he was aligning himself with known personalities and trustworthy brands, and he was doing commercials and, and all that, and he was a very good marketer. But all you really had to do to have the same level of suspicion that I had at this point, literally three years before the SEC caught on, was, well, to do a little due diligence, right? You just had to do a little due diligence. Now, I'm no, I know you're thinking to yourself, well, I don't, I don't know anything about the internet. I don't know how to look at the uh, you know, number of visitors in a site or whatever, but surely you have you know, someone that can do that. And that's all really I did. And I, I sent it to somebody to do a little due diligence for me. And it just seemed like it, it, it was not realistic what they were trying to do or what they were saying they were trying to do. And I can guarantee you, I can guarantee you that none of those investors who invested in this, uh, who bought into the income store, looked at traffic results of the websites um, or had anybody else do it for them. So bottom line is what I'm trying to tell you is beware the fraudcaster, right? It's too easy. It's too easy to have a podcast. It really is. Um, and sometimes, uh, you know, having a podcast and having guests on your show with, with big names or, you know, brands, et cetera, that is a classic way to increase, um, you know, your own level of, of um, you know, your own brand recognition. And so, you know, beware. Uh, not, and then, you know what? Not everybody does due diligence on their guests before having them on the show, right? Not everyone has rules on who can advertise on their show. I'm not saying anybody in the podcast space. I'm not pointing fingers and saying, you know, I'm, I'm perfect. But what I do try to do is I try to protect my audience. Now, this goes not only for investment opportunities and people raising capital, but it also goes for a variety of other services. In fact, I have to tell you that the inspiration of this show uh, right now is that I think there is something going on uh, that someone made me aware of within the Wealth Formula Network um, that is going to be potentially a real problem for a lot of people in short order. And it's not an investment and while I can't name the name of the company or, 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 you know, the name of the program that they gave it, um, I can have my friend Doug Lodmel, who's uh, obviously my asset protection attorney as well, a really smart guy. 
I asked him to take a look at it and to basically describe what he sees and tell you why it looks like something that could get you into big trouble uh, as it relates to trusts and taxation, uh, which this scheme involves. So anyway, this is a show I think you're going to want to listen to, especially if you listen to more than just my podcast, because I think this um, this scheme is sort of making the circuits. And so hopefully you will see it. And um, at the very least, do your own due diligence and uh, don't make me say I told you so. So when we come back, Doug Laudmel. Welcome back to the show, everyone. And today, my guest is Doug Laudmel. You know, he's been on the show a, a fair number of times, and there's a reason for it. He's my asset protection attorney. He's a guy I trust a lot uh, for a variety of things when it comes to quarterbacking all of my structures and really just protecting me. So, um, you know, if he's a uh, uh, he's a guy I trust, so I, I feel very comfortable bringing him to you. He's uh, obviously specializes in asset protection. He is with the law firm of Laudmel, Laudmel and Laudmel, and he's Doug Laudmel. So, Doug, uh, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Buck. Happy to be here again. So, Doug, um, you know, so what inspired this uh, this particular podcast was um, something that. Uh, that was sent to me a while back um, from one of our listeners. And it was like, you know, it was a trust opportunity that somebody on another podcast had um, that there was a podcast and basically it was all these things that a trust can do. Like, you know, it can, you know, make you, uh, it can make it so you don't have to pay taxes. It can make you so you can live forever. I mean, all these crazy things, <laughs> but what I wanted to do, before we get into some of that stuff, because I think it's really important to talk about what you cannot do with trust, but yeah. I, just let's do a basic, you know, 101 on trust because, you know, okay. people who are, you know, just coming out of residency or just getting out of law school or just starting to make six figures, they start hearing about trust and, you know, you get all these ideas in your head, like, you know, it's, it's, it's some kind of crazy thing and, right. you know, it doesn't relate to me um, or maybe, it, you know, it's illegal there, you know, anyway, you get all sorts of like imagery um, that, that initially comes in, at least for, I think for some people. So let's kind of start with the basics. What exactly is a trust anyway? Okay. So, and I want to preface this because I know we're going to talk about this, this, this issue with what some people are saying trusts can do. Mm -hmm. And, um, I'm an asset protection attorney, but I'm a tax attorney as well. So what that means yep. is I went to law school and actually after law school subjected myself to another year of punishing abuse by professors at NYU, most of whom were part of writing the tax code. Um, it's the number one tax program in the world. So it's a postdoctoral degree in tax. So I actually do really understand this stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah. it, it painfully so. Okay. So I, I want to say that, I, and I never usually talk about that because it's not relevant to most of the things, but it's relevant today. So I'm coming right. from a position as a tax attorney, not just as a trust attorney. So trust, the, what a trust is, is it's an arrangement where someone entrusts someone else for the benefit of someone else. So I could say to you, Buck, hey, you know what? Um, you're going to go skiing. I'm going to give you 20 bucks. Would you buy lunch for my kids who are skiing with your kids at the slopes? And you say, great. Yeah. Happy to buy them lunch. And I say, yeah, but don't give them any sodas. 
that's my condition on this. Don't, don't give them any sodas. And, and, and it's, and it's for my kids, right? Don't buy some random kids. So we just created a trust. I'm what's called the settler or the grand I'm the one who created it by asking you to do this thing for me. You're called the trustee because I'm entrusting you with the 20 bucks and my kids are called the beneficiaries because they're, that's who the 20 bucks is actually for. So it's not your 20 bucks. It's my kids, 20 bucks. And, and, and then we've put a few conditions on there, which said only use it for lunch. You know, don't buy them soda and don't use it for some other kid that is, is there. So we've put these conditions around it. That's a trust. Legally, as I understand it, um, there's really two in court. Um, there's two types of things that really the court recognizes, and that's an individual and one is a trust, right? Well, there's more than two types of things. There's individuals, there's trusts, and then there's partnerships, LLCs, corporations. Right. Those are all legal entities recognized by the system. But if you look system. at it as an ultimate, like somebody responsible for something, doesn't it uh, even the corporations ultimately come down to individuals? Um, no, yeah. corporation is actually, especially a C corporation is actually seen as a separate legal entity. All right. They have a status on their own, which is why the, the shareholders aren't really responsible for the actions of the corporation. That's Got where it. we get that okay. corporate veil liability. Um, so, so yeah. Uh, and, and remember the law has all these fictions that are not really possible, but they make them up anyway. Okay. So let's, um, let's, let's um, start uh, comparing and contrasting different kinds of trust. So now there's something that we call a living trust. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, is that what, what exactly is a living trust and is there something that's a not living trust? <laughs> right. Okay. So a living trust is right. commonly um, known as an estate planning trust. So what a living trust is, is you create a trust. You, you, you let's say husband and wife are the settlers. And guess what? Husband and wife are also the trustees. So they entrust the assets to themselves. And guess what? Husband and wife are also the beneficiaries. So they entrust the assets to themselves for their own benefit. That's allowable. That's okay to do. Um, that's called a self-settled trust. And it's a grantor trust, which means from a tax perspective, the IRS says, hey, if you create a trust and you're the trustee and you're also the beneficiary, don't tell us about it. We don't want to know. We don't want a tax return. We don't want to hear about this thing. It's just you. So we're going to classify that as disregarded for the purposes of taxation because we know it's just you. So don't bother us with this kind of trust. Well, why would somebody do that? Because if it's just you, then what's the point? Well, the point is in California, particularly where these things really started getting popular, um, there are fees for probate. So if you die with a will, guess what? The guy who gets to probate your will is going to get a statutory fee that starts at 3% of your estate for what he's, he's not doing anything, but walking a piece of paper into a courtroom and now he's going to get starting at 3% of your estate. And so some clever attorneys said, Hey, why would we do that? People said, well, people are going to die. They need a will. And he goes, well, let's just put all the assets in this trust and the trust doesn't die. And then mm-hmm. when the, the husband and wife die, new beneficiaries just get inserted, new trustees get inserted and we avoid probate. 
So we've talked about we've talked about this in another episode where ultimately what I the thing that I left everyone with was I don't care what else you do, what else you don't do, <clears throat> but if you don't <clears throat> have a living trust, get a living trust because you need a will and a living trust. And it's not just the fees, but it's also the time in probate that if you die that your kids are going to sit there and wait for your stuff for like a year or more. Um, and so that is the simplest, easiest thing in the world to do. Do it. Um, right. and, now, that's, and that's more yeah. true in California than anywhere else. Right. And it's actually still not the norm or the standard of care in New York. So where I went to law school, um, they still don't use revocable living trusts. So I, I actually worked for a very large law firm there in the trust and state planning department. And I, we're talking the elite of New York. And I'm looking at them I'm like, why do they all have wills? And the answer from the partner was, we still use wills here. Now, in New York, that makes sense. The probate process is very streamlined. It is not a problem. And in New York, there's no fees. It's very simple. It happens very fast. It's not private, so there's still reason to use a trust, but I'm, I'm just saying some states more so than others. Right, right. All right, so let's go on to more nomenclature because this is just fraught with lots and lots of words that people don't understand. You use the word <clears throat> to describe a living trust as revocable. So what is the uh -huh. difference between a revocable and an irrevocable trust? That's a really good one. So a revocable trust can be revoked. Meaning you can say, Hey, I changed my mind. You can literally legally write revoked on the front page, on the signature page. And now you have legally revoked that trust. It no longer exists. It's revoked. It's gone. The minute you write revoked, it's revoked. Um, now if there's assets in the trust, you better get them out of there because now you have a revoked trust with a bunch of accounts at the bank and you go to the bank and what are you going to show them to show who the trustee is, et cetera. Um, but from a legal standpoint, you can just make the trust disappear. An irrevocable trust cannot be revoked. It's irrevocable. So I'm saying, hey, I'm putting this stuff in trust and I cannot revoke the trust. Now, this is, this is a really fine point. For the most part in the history of trust, what an irrevocable trust means and what 99% of the attorneys listening to this out there would say is an irrevocable trust is a non-grantor trust set up for somebody else. So the most common example is a, a children's trust. So you, you take a million dollars, you put it into an irrevocable trust for the benefit of your children, and then they get it at certain ages or under certain conditions. That does a couple of things. It gets that money out of your estate, um, that trust is a non-grantor trust, which means it has to either be a simple trust or a complex trust. If it's a simple trust, it must distribute all the income every year. And then that trust gets taxed one way. Or if it's a complex trust, it can retain income and the trust will pay its own tax rate. And this is super important for mm -hmm. the rest of this podcast. Trusts must pay taxes. There is no magic thing that says trusts don't have to pay taxes. Trusts pay taxes just like corporations and just like individuals. The only way they get out of paying taxes is distributing the money to the beneficiary, in which case the beneficiary pays the taxes. Let's let's keep going with some nomenclature. You mentioned okay. grantor versus non-grantor. Yeah. <clears throat> what does that mean? 
So grantor is back to our revocable living trust where the IRS says, hey, it's grantor, meaning the grantor is responsible for the taxes. Mm-hmm. And if the grantor is responsible for the taxes, it simplifies everything related to the trust. It's, it means that the trust does not pay its own taxes. Right. It means the grantor pays the taxes that the trust would, would, would have on any income the trust generates. The grantor trust can also be for some irrevocable trust, right? Like, you know, in, grantor, in our case, yes. we've got the FAPT or, um, you know, Nevada Dynasty Trust, all these irrevocable trusts. You can also make grantor for tax purposes. Correct. So you can have an irrevocable trust, which actually gets the assets out of your estate and still have it grantor. And you do that by creating a couple of, of provisions in there, which qualify the trust under the IRS as grantor. So you can still pay the taxes on the trust, but the assets are actually out of your state. Some people call those freeze trusts where you're freezing the value of your state, giving it to your kids, but you still pay the taxes. Why you'd want to do that is that you want to spend down your estate and, and leave the kids estate intact because of the estate tax issue. So non-grantor trusts are, are means that the, the grantor doesn't pay the taxes. Either the trust has to pay its own taxes or the beneficiaries of the trust get a distribution and they pay the taxes. But somebody's paying the taxes. <laughs> no, you want to get to that. Yeah. There's, the, the, what, what, there's another word that I <clears throat> want to define, spendthrift trust. What's that? Okay. So what a spendthrift trust is, it's provisions in the trust. So back to our example where I give you the 20 bucks for, the, for, for my kids to have lunch. I added a spendthrift provision in there, which basically said, don't use it for Coke. I don't want it going for Coke. Oh, and if his buddies come and say, hey, he owes me five bucks. And since you have his money, can you give him? Say, no, don't pay any of his bills. This is only for his lunch. That's a spendthrift provision. So what spendthrift provisions are is provisions that limit how the trustee can use the assets. And the most common form of spendthrift are ones that limit the access of a creditor of a beneficiary. So if you're the beneficiary of a spendthrift trust that has good spendthrift provisions and your creditor comes to the trust and says, hey, this beneficiary owes me money, why don't you pay it off on his behalf? The trustee will say, "Uh uh-uh, not allowed. My spendthrift provisions don't allow me to pay his creditors. I can only use it for that person's benefit, not the benefit of his creditors. And that was, of course, popular with with people in, you know, the past, uh, the, the Rockefellers and the Vanderbilts who set up trust for their kids, they didn't want their kids blowing it all with creditors or gambling or whatever. Right. They put Spencer provisions in there. Okay. And so that takes us to um, this podcast that one of, one of our listeners listened to and forwarded to me and was like, this is the greatest thing ever. Why is nobody talking about this? So I listened <laughs> to the podcast and um, it, it, it it was a podcast where I'm thinking, here's a few things about the guest. The guest is not an attorney. The guest is not a CPA. The guest is giving legal information, legal advice left and right. The guest specifically says, don't go to your CPA because it'll just confuse them. Right. Um, That's I mean, a I, huge red flag, right? uh, uh, Unbelievable. I'm listening to this. But this is on a podcast that a lot of people listen to. Right. So I forwarded to you. Um, There are lots of claims here, Doug. Um, You know, there's a trust, uh, an absolute bulletproof asset protection. By the way, is that even possible? I mean, short of a offshore? Yeah, even offshore. I mean, I would never say anything is absolutely bulletproof. I mean, 
It's all about leverage. And I have watched offshore trusts voluntarily get terminated because the leverage on the guy back here was just too great. So, so nothing is, you know. I want you to, there, there was the, the thing about this podcast that it was sufficiently ambiguous. I forwarded it to you. I forwarded yeah. you the website. We're not going to use a name here. Yeah. But I, I, what I'd like you to do, if you would, is describe for us what exactly this scenario is that is described and then tell us why you can't do that. <laughs> okay. So what you forwarded me is what's called an abusive trust scheme. <laughs> they the didn't IRS, call it that, Doug. They didn't call it that. <laughs> they did not call it that. They had a very nice yeah, branded yeah. name for the trust. It was really, it was really mm-hmm. cool sounding. Yeah. Um, and, and, but the IRS is well aware of these. They have an entire webpage um, dedicated to abusive tax schemes. And this, this exact trust that this guy is promoting is described exactly on the IRS webpage. Describe it for us. Describe what that trust is. So what they're telling their clients or the, their, they can't call them clients because they're not real attorneys, but their, their, their customers is that their trust is never taxed unless the money's distributed. Well, we've already determined that trusts either pay tax from the grantor if it's a grantor trust, at the trust tax rate if it's a non-grantor trust, or at the beneficiary rate if it's distributed. So they're misstating the entire taxation of trust right off the get-go. And they're saying, as long as the trust is in existence, it cannot be taxed unless the money's distributed. Now, where they get that is they piece together a bunch of unrelated, out of context, um, things that believe me, I sat through these classes. They are, they are just taking something and making it seem like it's saying something else. It's a complete fabrication. It's a straight up lie. If they were an attorney, it would be malpractice. Instead, it's just fraud. Um, and I, I, I mean, and what they're saying is that our trusts are never taxed unless you distribute the money. Now, how do you get the money out without distributing it? Well, our magic secret is, is that trusts are allowed to have expenses. And so all you have to do is have the trust pay every expense in your life, your personal expenses. And I, I listened to that podcast and mm-hmm. he literally goes through all the expenses that the trust can pay your, your, your kid's school, your mortgage, your groceries, your car, your, I mean, the trust can pay anything at once. And all those expenses are deductible off of the income. So you live out of the trust. And you expense everything, you and then whatever's left, you just leave in the trust since you don't need it, you don't distribute it, and therefore it's never taxable. And because it's never taxable until the trust is dissolved, we're never going to dissolve the trust, and none of the beneficiaries are going to be alive by the time we do. And it's it's very ambiguous. It's it's completely misstated. Um, they take case law and they cite it. This is a common strategy for people who want to commit a fraud: is they take a, a lot of partial truths or things that in and of themselves are accurate. Like, yes, you know, title 26, subchapter A, chapter one, subchapter J, part one, subpart A, section 643A347B does state that capital gains and losses from the sale or exchange of capital assets shall be excluded to the extent that such gains are allocated to corpus. That's a true statement. But what they make it mean is you don't have to pay any taxes on capital gains inside your trust. That's not what it means. It's, it does not mean that in any way, shape or form. So they're just misstating everything. And I, I know when you sent me that podcast, I sent you back the IRS webpage, right? Where the IRS and, and if I can just read it, it I mean, I, I, this is from the IRS. Sure. I'm happy to send anybody this link. 
A legitimate trust is allowed to deduct distributions to beneficiaries from its taxable income. So deduct distributions. That means the beneficiary is paying the tax. So that's allowable with a few modifications. Therefore, trusts can eliminate income by making distributions to other trusts or other entities as long as they are named beneficiaries, which themselves will have to pay the taxes. Right. The distribution of income is key to understanding the nature of the abusive trust scheme. Remember, IRS webpage. In the abusive scheme, bogus expenses, bogus expenses, like your own personal living expenses, by the way, which would normally be distributions to a beneficiary and taxable. So bogus expenses are charged against trust income at each trust layer. After the deduction of these expenses, the remaining income is distributed to another trust and the process is repeated. The result of the distributions and deductions is to reduce the amount of income ultimately reported to the IRS. It's just a scam. It, it's literally describing literally. exactly what what this guy was That's talking exactly about. exactly what this guy on his podcast said he's doing. And, right. and, and I mean, I... Uh, so I told you this and I've seen it happen before. Um, what I predict is going to happen with this guy because he's pretty high profile. He's out there. He's making a lot of claims. The IRS is not stupid at all. They listen to this stuff. They know mm -hmm. what's going on in the world. I have, have I guarantee that. Um, in fact, most of the people in that taxation master's program that I attended were actually about 50% of the, um, the students were IRS agents. They are very smart people. Mm-hmm. They are not dumb and they listen to these things. So they know this guy and if they don't know him, they will know him very soon. And what's going to happen is that they will uh, uh, listen to him for a while. They'll get real clear and then they'll be exactly this case where they walk into his office with windbreakers on. They take all his computers. They take all his files. They take all his customer files and guess what? Everybody who's ever done business with this guy is going to have a, an audit mm. and they're going to find your abusive trust they're going to, they're going to um, penalize you. It's so blatant. You will not have the defense that you relied on professional counsel because this guy told you to avoid your CPA, avoid professional counsel, because you just need to listen to me, the non CPA promoter schemer. I'm going to tell you, but unfortunately, Buck, people are so anti-tax and they're so willing to believe something that is, 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 has any sense of hope that it could be, you know, plausibly real that I see clients do this all the time. I'll give you an, uh, one example. I have a client in the Midwest. It's a chiropractor. And he called me and, and he described essentially the same thing. And he was a thousand percent convinced. And he had done his research and he was just sure. And I said, look, I'm telling you, not legitimate, not good. And he goes, well, I do understand that, Doug. I really respect you, but I believe that I've got this figured out. I'm, I'm going to do it. He did it. And for 10 years, every time we checked in for an annual review, I said, how's that going? He's like, great. Haven't paid taxes in 10 years. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. And I said, okay, good for you. I mean, you know, it's your money. It's your life. And on the 11th year, we had our review. Actually, we didn't have a review. He called me because <laughs> um, Iris had audited him and denied everything. And he, he literally lost everything that he had because the IRS came in and took it all. Um, uh, he just narrowly avoided being in jail. So this is, if it sounds too good to be true, you know, it is, you and know, don't, don't there's this. a lesson there too, right? I mean, <clears throat> we are in, in this show and just to be clear, uh, we're, we're, we're not, we're not like saying that don't, don't look at what's out there that you can negotiate to the extent that, you know, Tom Will writes on the show a lot. Tom's my yeah. CPA. Everything that we do is within the law. 
Yeah. You just have to you just have to understand what's legal and what's not. I think that there's a difference between not, you know, doing your own due diligence to the extent that understanding which things are available to you and using them to your benefit. And then uh which is which some people will say is being, you know, quote unquote aggressive. Uh and that's fine, right? You're not breaking the law, but you understand what the law is and you, you know, you have legal and, you know, accounting advice that, you know, th this is appropriate and it's not not against the law and it may provide tax mitigation. But there's a difference between tax mitigation and um, and, and, and basically breaking the law and not paying, uh, you know, doing things that are illegal. I really worry about this in the podcast space. Uh, and it's not just trust, but there is so much of this stuff. Uh, as you know, you know, we were talking offline, there's multiple Ponzi schemes that have now gone through um, because of a legitimization um, of the podcast, the podcaster and the influencer thing. And there's just a lot of abuse. Um, what other things have you seen um, that that people should be aware of, Doug? So. Uh, anytime uh, it, it, I see, I see a lot of this stuff. <clears throat> Look, if anybody tells you anything can magically avoid taxes in a way that your CPA hasn't told you or your tax attorney hasn't brought up for you, you need to question it. I mean, there is a reason that, you know, no one else has brought it up to you. Um, if it's a legitimate thing and they just haven't brought it up to you, go to them and say, hey, is this legitimate? And, and they're going to say, well, yeah, you can do a defined benefit plan. That is legitimate. I didn't propose it to you and here's why. Or, yeah, actually, maybe we should look at that. Um, but anything that magically does it, whether it's an offshore entity or a domestic entity. Um, by the way, the, the, this exact same scheme was run with Nevada corporations for years where you'd have one Nevada corporation and you'd expense all the expenses to another Nevada corporation and you expense those and all these are personal and they just keep going until there's no income left. Um, it, 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 there's a hundred variations of this and they all, um, are attractive because they promise to save taxes. And here's what I've learned, Buck, when it comes to money, there's two things that somehow suspend disbelief. One is saving money with the IRS. Somehow people are so desirous of saving money with the IRS that they believe the unbelievable, like this guy on this podcast. Um, they just, they just want to believe it. So they do. The other thing that they somehow magically suspend disbelief is returns that are, are impossible. A hundred percent return in a month. I, I, there's mm -hmm. a scheme going around right now that is promising these, you know, you can only get in it. It's a hundred million dollar minimum investment, but I have the only connections that can get smaller investments in down to $250,000. It's a bank guaranteed thing. Your money goes into this secured account. It's never used and you're going to get a 400% return in four months. I mean, I'm mm -hmm. going to get a million dollars in four months <coughs> over my 250,000 and it's complete scam and, yeah. and yet it's popular and I've seen people fall for it. Yeah. So use your common sense is number one. Just, just think about it. And, and if you rely on your professional counsel, rely on your team of trusted advisors, um, you know, I'm, I'm working on a, a, a coaching podcast series. I've done a lot of coaching, personal coaching where I pay to get coached. Mm -hmm. And I have learned a lot of amazing things. And one of the things that I've learned is surround yourself with people who understand the things that you don't that are qualified so that you can go to them and ask for support. Um, your own personal 
council of experts uh, and um, go to them. If something sounds great, come, you know, if you're my client, I encourage my clients all the time. I don't care what it is. Look, whatever the subject, call me. I probably heard of it because everybody calls me. So I get a lot of these crazy things and we'll talk about it. Um, But that's the, that's the best thing you can do. And if you're listening to this and you don't want to believe what we're saying and you've heard that podcast, just know you're, you're suspending the disbelief because you want to believe it. Mm. And okay. I'm I'm okay with that. And and, on the other hand, you know, I think that there is value. Uh, I think the biggest lesson for me in this is that, you know, what do I do whenever something doesn't sound right to me? I have yeah. people that I trust and I send them to that to verify. Because so, there are rarely situations sometimes when I do find out something and it's like, wow, I didn't know that. And somebody says, yeah, it is true, actually. Yeah. Um, it's not very often anymore because I feel like yeah. I kind of uh, unfortunately run out of those kinds of things. But but having, you know, a Doug, uh, Lod Mel, having a, a Tom Wheelwright, in my yeah. case, um, you know, having a really good uh, Internet guy who was who who told me about, a uh, you know, that he thought something was a Ponzi scheme way before it happened, right. before it was <laughs> exposed. Uh, yeah. This is, you know you got to have some people that you trust around you. And that's, that's really critical. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Doug, I want to thank you again for being on the show. Um, again, uh, you know, as always, uh, you know, Doug has a, an asset protection webinar that he's done on wealthformula.com that you can download. He also has a, a real estate, uh, asset protection paper there, Doug, it's, uh, is it Lodmel and Lodmel.com? Just lodmel.com. Just one word, L-O-D-M-E-L-L.com. Ton of information on there, webinars, papers, videos. Um, you can just email me directly if you have a question. My name is just my email, Doug at lodmel.com. Um, shoot me an email, say, hey, I heard you on Buck. I you know, uh, have this question. Uh, and if you want to get the, it, anything you're up to, it's best if you just talk. It's, it's amazing how someone who knows what they're doing can quickly identify it and, and get you on the right track. And it doesn't take a lot of time when you're actually already familiar with it. Um, and you're welcome to call me and schedule an appointment, 800-231-7112. Just say, heard you on Buck's podcast. I'd like to schedule a call with Doug. My assistant will be happy to do it. And by the way, Doug does, you know, I think uh, essentially a 30-minute, 30, 40-minute 30, uh, free evaluation of your situation. So if you're not sure you need them or what, um, it's not going to cost you anything anyway. And, and yeah. Doug's really good about saying, I don't need you come back in five years when you've got something to protect. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I'll tell you. I'll tell yeah. you. Well, Doug, great. Uh, again, thanks for being on. And, um, um, as, as always, uh, we, we appreciate your expertise and we'll, we'd love to have you on again sometime soon. No, my pleasure, Buck. Thanks. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, I think Doug, um, you know, Doug is a really smart guy. Um, he knows a lot about trusts and he has a master's in taxation. So if I were you, I would listen to what he had to say and have your ears perked up if you hear about some kind of a program that is making these kinds of promises or um, alleges that they can pretty much make you tax-free through trust. Believe me, I'm not a guy who is, you know, sitting back there waiting for, you know, uh, somebody to tell me why it can't be done. But I also 
in in other words, you know, I'm not I'm I'm all for, you know, going up to the line that is legal in uh, when it comes to taxes and things like that, but I won't break the law and I I don't want to get anywhere near that. And that's what I worry about here and I don't want you to get in trouble. So, anyway, take it for what it's worth. Hopefully this show was um was useful to you. Uh, also, hopefully you, uh, don't have a ton of money in the stock market because I know I've heard of, from some of you now that you've lost some 15, 15% plus as of this recording, uh, just from coronavirus. And I'll tell you the good news is, um, not a single tenant that we have in any of our real estate has vacated because of coronavirus in other words, we are not affected by that, and that's why we invest in real assets. And if you'd like to, by the way, join Investor Club. If you're an accredited investor, do that at WealthFormula.com. That's it for me this week on Wealth Formula Podcast. See you next week on episode 200. This is Buck Joffrey signing off. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast. Visit us on the web at WealthFormula.com. The information contained in this podcast are opinions, not fact. As always, consult your own financial team before making any investment. See you next time.